Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston shares a devotional that will speak to you no matter what your current relationship is with your teen. Let's hear what Mark has to say. Hey, when I was um, newly married, I took a job at a church because the pastor uh, was excited about the work that I had done with Young Life. I'd been involved with Young Life for a number of years, and and Jane and I um, uh, were newly married, uh, leading a Young Life club in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, and the pastor of the church found out about us and and came to me and said, would you like to work for our church? And I said, absolutely not. I'll never work for a church. And he said, well, I'll pay for school and um, I'll pay for you to go to law school. And, uh, and he, he was a former lawyer. And that interested me. And, and so uh, Jane and I at that time were making $200 a month and we were managing apartments. And so we paid half rent of $75 and... and um, and we had just found out that Jan was pregnant, and so here we were, um, poor as anything, but love kids, and, and so we took this job at a church. And, and the amazing part was, you know, it was a, a, a beginning of a wonderful time with kids and the start of a seven-year journey working for a man who really demanded perfection in everything. Um, perfection moved us to offering programs, relationships, and and a helping hand to literally thousands of kids throughout the city of Tulsa. And he would always say this, it's Matthew 5, 48, um, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. He would always be saying, Matthew 5, 48, Matthew 5, 48, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. He was a man that I loved, I admired, and uh, who spoke a lot about grace. Um but he wore his staff out with a mindset that I believe uh, was rooted in wanting uh, a spirit of excellence, but was interpreted by the church staff as a demand to be perfect in all that we do. That mindset drove me. I worked seven days a week. I felt guilty when I wasn't working. I never took a vacation. I couldn't rest. I could barely sleep. And I also had to to look good and, and have it all together all the time. And I constantly felt that there was always more to do and never enough hours in the day to get it done. I felt like the only time that this senior pastor really enjoyed my presence was when I was telling him everything was bigger and better, how we had no conflicts in the youth group and how great he was and how perfect everyone in my charge was doing. I've got to admit to you this. I lied to him a lot. And I was 22 years old. I was in college and, and um, I was barely holding it together. And you know what? We were successful in creating some pretty neat programs and activities for junior and, and senior high students. With a few hundred kids in the youth group, Bible studies galore, and many small groups and mission trips every summer, our youth ministry was doing well all under the banner of perfection. And it almost cost me my marriage. 
The other ministers in charge of different areas of the church uh, expressed that they had felt the same way, and five of us would gather once a week for breakfast just to talk about life and work and encourage one another, and and uh, we became good friends uh, with one thing in common. Our marriages were struggling. Uh, all of these were great guys, good friends, competent performers, and highly driven, but it was tough. And we all thought we were doing the right thing by trying to live up to this concept of perfection. In reality, we were all burning out and we didn't even know it. My wake-up call uh, is when I picked my daughter up from daycare and she didn't recognize me. Deep down, when I began to look at my own life, I was miserable. Uh, I didn't want to slow down because... I'd have to think about the path I was on, and I didn't feel like I could question my so-called perfect life. Um, My dream of perfection, basically, was absolutely fading. One of the guys named Joe, um, a dear, dear fellow that now lives out in California, um, he was on our staff, and and, uh, he decided uh, to leave his position because his marriage was falling apart. And his departure was really hard on all of us and, and, and me because uh, I felt he was a good friend, a, a trusted peer, a, a great communicator that was full of wisdom and discernment, uh, and he seemed to have it all together. But when he left, there wasn't any ceremony, sadly, acknowledging his years of service. So I took him out to eat and uh, just to let him know, hey, I, I want you to know that somebody has noticed what you've done in life and... and um, and I wish you well, and I hope we can stay in touch. And when I asked him what he'd like to say to the church if he were given the opportunity, he said this. He said, yeah, tell the senior pastor that he's not God. Remember the old song from the 60s, and perhaps a lot of you are, are way too young to remember it, but there was a group called Eric Burden and the Animals, and... and um, the name of the song was, I Got to Get Out of This Place. And after I met with Joe that day, I hummed it driving all the way back to the church, and I started to uh, plan my exit strategy from perfectionism. You know, once I left, I never again saw or talked to that senior pastor. And, and, I, and I've thought many, many times, um, and it wasn't because I was avoiding him. I, uh, we moved from Tulsa Oklahoma to Canacut Camp in Branson, Missouri, where I was a Young Life Area Director and, and working with kids there. And, and it wasn't that I um, was mad at him. It's just that I realized that I couldn't live under that kind of perfectionism. He died two years later, a massive heart attack. You know, if he only knew the damage he caused... Um, in so many of the lives of people who had worked for him, I think he would be amazed. This kind man, he didn't know, just like so many parents today are clueless about the messages they send to their kids through their actions, their comments, their requirements, and their lifestyle. Perfection was impossible back then. This was back in 1982. And perfection is impossible now. The difference now is that the damage is greater because of the shift of the youth culture causing kids to interpret parents' encouragement or a holding to morals and biblical principles and the sharing of wisdom as being critical, not encouraging all the time, but sometimes critical.
Remember when your kids were, were young and, and you could do no wrong and your kids thought that you were perfect? You coached their teams. You told them they were all winners and scheduled your life around them. You laughed with them, hauling them to all their activities, and you scheduled your days around your kids. You poured your life into them. And chances are you believe that if you did those things with your kids, then everything would, would turn out well during the teen years. It was an investment of the earlier years um, that that would hopefully bring reward in the future years, right? But unfortunately, it doesn't always work that way. Here's what I think happens. Um, during those early years, kids think that their parents are perfect. They don't see the flaws, the blemishes, and the pimples of life. And so you protect them, you provide for them, and you aim to please. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but in their mind, they think you are perfect. Young girls and boys usually think that about their parents. It's normal. So these little princess and princesses enter middle school uh, believing that they live in a perfect world and have perfect parents. And they soon find out that the world isn't, isn't so perfect. They begin to, to learn that the world is cruel and comments are harsh and people are mean and not everyone is good. They're exposed to more, experience more, and they encounter more than they ever thought and perhaps beyond what they were ever trained to handle. And in their attempt to, to make sense of a world and apply what they've learned their whole life, they come home emotionally spent and then interpret their parents' well-intentioned comments and encouragement and direction as a demand for perfection. And here's what shifted. You know, all during those younger years, you've added to your children's life, and now you're helping them rid themselves of unhealthy and inappropriate actions and mindsets that, you know, enter their world and... and um, and your world as well. It's like the old adage, you, you spend the first two years of your child's life teaching them to walk and talk, and then, you rest, and then the rest of their life telling them to shut up and sit down. The author of the book, uh, The Little Prince, is reported to have said that perfection is finally attained, not when there is no longer anything to add, but when there is no longer anything to take away. And this quote reminds me of the actions of many parents. Spending the first years of a child's life adding to it, they spend the teen years taking things away, and they take away any influence that's counter to what they've taught and what they've encouraged their child to be engaged in. It's this chipping away that moves kids to think that their parents want perfection, are nagging all the time, and are never satisfied with them. And catch this. I think this is important that sadly many parents spend their child's preteen years telling them what they're doing right, and then they spend their teen years telling them what they're doing wrong. It's a good intention, but it's sometimes interpreted as a negative action by kids. Adolescents you know, have an amazing way of interpreting their parents' encouragement as judgment, uh, parents' standards are in, interpreted uh, to be too high of expectations, and questions are interpreted as digging for more dirt, and discussions are interpreted as as inquiries into privacy, and compliments are in, interpreted as 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 being critical. And the desire for a spirit of excellence is is truly interpreted um, as a quest for perfection. Parents feel they can't win, no matter what they do. But here's the good news, mom and dad. You are not God, and you're not perfect either. 
and it's time to break from that perfect image your kids have of you. You know, parents who don't break the perfection mentality with their kids might just hear their kids saying what a group of kids said to me a couple of weeks ago when I asked them, hey, do you think your parents want perfection in you? And I want to read to you some of their answers. I was somewhat amazed. And this is a little lengthy, but I, I, I think it needs to be lengthy to encompass all of us that, that want great things for our kids, but sadly, our, our well-intentioned efforts are being interpreted as something that's causing more conflict and difficulty with our kids. But here's what they say. Do you think your parents want perfection in you? Here's what one kid said. I brought home some good grades that I was proud of, and my mom started complaining that I could do better. I wasn't living up to my potential, and I needed to work harder. Or another kid said this, I never understood how my imperfect parents always demand perfection of me. Another one said this, I wish my parents knew the messiness of my room was just a picture of the messiness I felt in my life. They seem more concerned about my room. Insightful, huh? Somebody else said, I remember when my parents and I had a had a fight over not wanting to go to church, and they were so concerned about what others would think if I didn't show up and if we had an argument. Another kid said, I couldn't measure up to my parents' ideal world, so I gave up. Another, I think my rebellion at home was my attempt to prove to them that they don't live in a perfect little world. Someone else said, Hey, it's funny to me that we had the most screwed up family in the whole neighborhood and our yard was prettier than everyone else's. I think it was my parents' way of pretending to others that we had it all together. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Um, Another one said this, I can't wait to leave home so I can relax and enjoy life. Somebody else said I've considered committing suicide and my parents are more concerned about the cleanliness of my bathroom than they are the condition of my heart. Somebody else, sadly, I set out to prove that my life of imperfection was better than their life of perfection. Another kid said this, I was sent away to get help for my emotional problems. No one in my extended family knows because my parents are scared they won't be seen as good parents if someone knew their child is messed up. Here's something else. One kid said, I thought my dad hated me because of the zits on my face. He always seemed embarrassed when I showed up around his friends and he would make excuses to them in front of me as to why my face looked so bad. I remember scrubbing so hard that I would cry and wonder what was wrong with me. Another one said this, I got tired of trying to attain something that I could never reach, so I quit trying. Somebody else said this, my world of conflict with them was easier for me than living up to the world of perfection. A young lady, I remember her saying this. She said, I was never good enough in my mother's eyes. She nagged me all the time to do everything better. I rebelled and acted out just to prove to her um, uh, that she was wrong and to show her that I was in control of my life. Somebody else said this. Every time I saw my mom's mouth open, I shut my ears to her comments about how I was always failing at something. I think she meant well, but all I heard was, you're not good enough, which is exactly what I was hearing from others every day at school. <clears throat> now, these are kids that, that live with us and have struggled a little bit, and so they come to find out, you know, what, is, what are the issues in your life? And 
And, um, you know, I, I, I think this, I think most parents who expressed a perfectionist mindset to their kids don't really realize it. Uh, no more than the pastor of the church that I was at realized that he was really demanding perfection and burning us out and wearing us out and behind everybody's back, everybody was critical of him. But he was a very nice man and came across really well. I think parents get in that same um, that same mindset sometimes, but don't even know it. And it's like a cancer you don't realize until the symptoms are beyond treatment. But there is treatment for uh, perfectionistic parenting. It's learning how to approach the symptoms in a way that diffuses the powder keg of perfection so that it, so that it doesn't damage your kids and make them move away from you relationally. Okay, so hear this. The message of perfection fuels the attitude that appearance and performance are the priority for relationships with others. It teaches kids that acceptance, love, and engagement with others are based upon what you do rather than who you are. So remember, your kids actually learn from you um, all these things and it's based on, on how your teens perceive you, not what your intentions are. So it doesn't matter that you have good intentions. It matters that your children see uh, or hear certain things through their grid of interpretation. And the culture has shifted, so they now look at things different. So in what, what's really happening is, is, is your child is perceiving you to be the same as the world that's demanding perfection from them because it's an appearance and performance world. You know, what do you think you're teaching your child when you can't settle for anything less than perfect for yourself or for your child? You're telling your children that no matter what they do, there'll always be a disappointment. And your children will learn that they will never be good enough to have a relationship with you, which is what you want more than anything else. Kids change because of relationship. They don't change because of the exertion of authority. And this, this is far different from the, from the mindset they had about you in the preteen years, isn't it? And so what that means is you do this. You start shifting your conversations. You start sharing more about yourself. You engage with them and, and say that it's okay to struggle, that you, you admit your mistakes, your difficulties, your hardships. You share, you share your feelings with them that, that says, you know, life isn't perfect and life is tough and it drives them for a need for a savior, but also need for relationships of like-minded people that aren't demanding that they be perfect because it doesn't exist and you'll never get there this side of heaven. <laughs> Gee. I'm, I feel like I'm preaching. I don't want to do that because you're, you're listening to somebody that's pretty imperfect. You know, a man came up to me at one of the parenting seminars that, that I did, and, and he told me what it was like to be raised in a perfect home. He said his dad was a perfect guy. He was president of the school board. He was head of the elder board at the church. <clears throat> he was a community man of the year. He was a successful businessman, recognized by all. No one, um, you know, that that knew him thought anything less. He was the epitome of uh, perfection. And then his dad had an affair with the church secretary, and everything changed. And I said, you know, man, that must have been hard. You know what he said? He said, no, it gave me hope. When parents help their kids understand that mom and dad aren't perfect and, in, and engage with their kid uh, so that messages of encouragement aren't, in, 
aren't interpreted as a demand for perfection, a number of things happen. You give your kids permission to not be perfect um, and to feel comfortable in their own skin as they enter into their teen years. They begin to look at you, their parent, and this could even be a grandparent, as one who might just possess wisdom amid the imperfection and feel a connection of relationship that validates them by who they are, not by what they do or how they look. And it lets them know that they won't be perfect this side of heaven. It might just turn their hearts toward the one who who wants to fill those voids and losses in their life. And this parenting mindset of grace and forgiveness lets teens know that it's okay not to have it all together, and it gives them permission to struggle well during their time of moving from childhood to adolescence. You know, if, if, if you are to be a, the visible expression of the invisible God to your kids, just like Jesus was to us, then somewhere along the line, um, it's, it's engaging with your child in such a way that, that uh, lets them know that it's okay, you don't have to have it all together. I'm always reminded of a scripture where Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and you'll find rest for your soul. Now, I think there's only one person that's walked on this earth that's been perfect, and that's Jesus himself. And yet, um, when people come into his presence, they find rest. They don't find a demand for, I don't know, a sense of, of perfection, yeah, I don't like being around perfect people. Drive me crazy. I feel uncomfortable. I don't feel worthy. Um, they're not normal. They don't exist. So I feel like they're lying to me. But there is something about the genuineness of Jesus saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. And as we come into his presence, we don't feel that sense of demand for perfection. We feel a sense of rest, and we're really standing in somebody's presence that is perfect. You know, there's something about genuineness and authenticity uh, that trump our demand for perfection. And sometimes I think our demand for perfection is to make up for our lack of genuineness and authenticity with our kids. So here's my encouragement. Text your kids today and say, hey, do you think... I want you to be perfect. Just text them and ask the question. You will have an interesting conversation around the dinner table tonight. And talk about that and let them know, hey, hey, there's nothing you can do to make me love you more. There's nothing you can do to make me love you less. And you don't have to be perfect. <laughs> because I'm sure not. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, visit parentingtodaysteens.org. And to learn more about Heartlight, visit heartlightministries.org. If this podcast has been helpful to your family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.